Welcome to You Love to See It, Fanbyte's movie review podcast styled after a delightful neighborhood video store. Every week, our friendly staff watches a movie and decides if it is worthy of being launched into our world-renowned staff pick shelf, if it will be comfortably nested within the warm mantle of our inoffensive middle aisle, or if it is going to be drilled straight into the fiery core of our dumpster out back, where it shall melt away along with our hopes, dreams, and Katy Perry's fifth studio album, Witness. Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda Unobtainium Prates, a nickname I chose based on my nickname in college. Except it wasn't, because I was actually very obtainable in college. <laughs> and my fellow Terranaut, Danielle, best use of a peach prop outside of Call Me By Your Name, Riondu. Hi, Danielle. Hi. I, I just had to not crack up as you're standing next to me at the counter greeting our guests here. So thank <laughs> you for that intro. <laughs> I think I was a little mean to Katy Perry, like... She's she's been down about about that album, but she's had, I just, yeah, she's had some some time with that. I know, I know. Yeah. But we we've got to call things like they are. That's true. And maybe witness is the thing we're gonna revisit next. Yeah, one day in our in our <laughs> excavations, but but not today. This month, as a refresher, we are taking a look at Thanksgiving movies, and what is that exactly? I am glad you asked. Thanksgiving is a Latin expression that we may or may not have literally just invented. That means what you have probably deduced already, possibly disheveled, potentially awkward, certainly flawed, often maligned movies that we ultimately believe meant well and deserve a second look. And this week... We are watching The Core. It was a secret government program known as Project Destiny. We're building a weapon that could generate targeted seismic events. It was a perfect, untraceable weapon. Destiny is a go. Until something went wrong. I'll put this as simply as I can. Everybody on Earth is dead in a year. The core of the Earth has stopped spinning. The spinning core protects us from cosmic radiation. Without it, radiation will create superstorms. Microwaves will literally cook our planet. How could this have happened? It was Project Destiny. We killed the planet. So, how do we fix it? We can't. The core is the size of Mars. You're talking about jump-starting a planet. What if we could? You're trying to save the world. It's impossible. I came here to save my wife and children. I just hope I'm brave enough to save three. I can't wait to get into an untested ship, go to the center of the Earth, and restart its core with a thousand megatons of nuclear weapons. Then we outrun the biggest shockwave in history. Hot damn. Whoever goes into the core is not coming back. We're losing oxygen! Breach! Yeah! Got a job to do. Let's do it. For those of you who still can't quite remember whether you actually saw the core or if you're actually confusing it with Armageddon or Deep Impact or basically any other end of the world movie from the late 90s, early 2000s, here's a refresher. The Core is a 2003 disaster movie that dares pose the question. What if the catastrophic happening that is finally going to put humanity out of its misery came not from above, but from within? Basically, some shit happens to the core of the earth, some people die, some pigeons go crazy, yada yada, science, in the form of a very sciencey Aaron Eckhart, may I add, tells us that the planet is pretty much donezo. There is hope, however, in the form of some frankly absurd technology and a small but mighty group of colorful characters played by seriously overqualified actors. They hop on a shuttle to get to the bottom of it, pun intended, and put their differences aside so that they can get the core to stop acting so goddamn weird. But like, no pressure. Except there is pressure. A lot of it. Both because of the whole saving all of humankind thing and also the being at the literal center of the earth thing. We're going to start with our first segment, the one that we call setting the scene, which is when we dive uh, into our history with the cinematic masterpiece at hand. And we'll start with you, Danielle. Tell us a little bit about 
about your background, about your history with the Corps. Yeah. So I have a long and storied history with the Corps. And uh, full disclosure, this is one of my picks for the month. I, this yes. is my fault. Important. <laughs> some of the, at least, listen, my fault slash I can at least uh, hold some of the glory for this, I think. But so this is a movie that was like a staple of kind of like when I was in college, so this would have been like the summer between freshman and sophomore year for me. I, I, you know, go to college during the year and then I'd live at home during the summer. And my mom and I would watch a lot of this kind of movie, including this. Like end movie. of the world. Type end movies. of the world. Like this is okay. like premium, like bargain bin DVD type of deal. Right. Like this is, you know, it, it, it wasn't the most successful movie at the time. Uh, we'll argue about that, uh, you know, later. Not argue, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but I have not actually seen this since I was probably around college age. But I saw it multiple times sort of in those years, like hanging out with my mom during the summer. We put on a movie pretty much every night. Um, and this is absolutely one that was in rotation. My mom loves disaster movies. She is like a disaster movie aficionado. She kind of just calls them blowing shit up movies. Like anything that's okay. like that, she loves it. Uh, and so okay, disaster movies are perfect for that, right? It's like my dad with vampires. Yeah. Like he's obsessed with vampire movies for some reason. It's really very charming. And like a parent <laughs> has like a bizarre, like, you know, very genre, like corny genre kind of movie, you know, affectation. I find that like the most charming thing in the world. It's like, ah, that's it cool. is. <laughs> and there are worse things to get fixated on than like right. disasters and vampires. Like we have cool parents. Yeah, we actually have great parents. I'm just going to say that. we have really, really good parents. Um, but with my history of the movie, seen it a couple times and, you know, pretty much always with my mom in that kind of context. And also, I will say it's been like 20 years or not quite 20, but, you know, not too far off. It's probably been like, I don't know, you know, let's call it 15 plus years and I remembered some hilariously specific things. Like, as the credits flashed on, I remembered, and I won't spoil anything, but I definitely remembered, like, Hillary Swank being a cool astronaut. Remembered that. I remembered yeah, the Xena tapes line, which is very good. I just, like... <laughs> Xena tapes and Hot Pockets. Xena tapes and Hot Pockets, but for some reason, <laughs> Xena tapes just stuck in there. Like, it was right in there. And also, the, like, a scene of narration towards the end. Like, a very specific narration scene. Uh, yeah. at, at the towards the end again, no spoilers. But like these very wildly specific things, but not how I really felt about the movie, which is very funny to me because normally I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember really liking it. Had this, this, and this." Instead, I was like, "Has this, this, and this?" But did I like it? <laughs> so I went into this viewing feeling like a little bit fresh, but having those little you know touch points, uh, which was a yeah. very fun way to go into watching this movie. I would say. I, I'm actually just going to be very brief. I had no history with the core. I just, I had vague ideas of the poster. I just remember like (laughs) Hillary Swank looking concerned and something being on fire. (laughs) It's like, and that's a genre, like a concerned person and something on fire. A lot of the movies of the time were just that. And so we, when you suggested it, we kind of went back and forth. We had a little list of Thanksgiving options, a very extensive list, actually, because I feel we could only we could do like a whole podcast on just this yeah. genre of movies that would like really sustain itself for a year uh, or two. But and I remember we were kind of like discussing whether um, we would go with that or maybe Armageddon. And I, you felt strongly about the course. yes. Yes. So I was like, no, let's let's do this. Armageddon, like everybody kind of everybody it's already too mainstream to shit on Armageddon. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? Let's do something different. I will say this though. Uh, when Paul, our our amazing producer, shared on our Discord chat, which by the way is poppin' and you should go yes. and hang out with us. Yes. Um, pop it. I don't know, is that a it thing that people poppin'. say? I don't even <laughs> <laughs> Um, how do you do, fellow kids? I'm not a regular <laughs> podcaster. I'm a cool podcaster. Um, and the poster had the line, the only way out is in, which is a line I have tattooed on my body. Um, oh my God. that I didn't get from the core. Uh, but I will from now on say that I did get from the core because I, 
I think it's a nice conversation starter. And also, I feel like it uh, it, it it meant that we were meant to happen, the core yes. and I. We yes. were meant to meet. So thank you, Danielle, for yeah. faci- facilitating this meeting. Because I don't know if I was like randomly picking a movie on a Saturday night, like that the core... And- I say Saturday night to sound like a person who does things because I am watching movies like in the middle of the afternoon. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday night when I like have free time from uh, like being a functional adult person, obviously, which I totally am. (laughs) Ask around. Um, I have several things to do. Just don't know them. They go to a different school. Uh, But uh so yeah thanks to your recommendation i got to watch it and i am very glad uh, that i did and we'll we'll get into it all uh because this has been the little the parts that that we keep spoiler free uh in our show so for those of you brave enough to dare go past the crust of our discussion (laughs) crust um we are about to enter the the spoiler field section in which we go over some of the specific aspects of the plot and the characters and whatever else catches our eyes. A section that for the purposes of this particular episode, we're going to go ahead and call digging deep. Yeah. Because we have we have no shame. The puns, in case you haven't noticed, um, they will continue happening throughout the show. Yes, they will. If you take it seriously, the experience is not quite as interesting um, as the experience that if you don't take it seriously. And I want to get to it because one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and as I looked through like Google reviews and stuff like that, uh, it was kind of a common theme. Like a lot of people were just kind of like, oh, this movie sucks because like it wants to be serious when it obviously isn't. And then on the other hand, you had sort of the camp that was kind of like, no, this movie is not serious. It's not supposed to be serious. You have to like understand the science and whatever else happens in it in the context of a like a fictional thing. And I was kind of torn because I was yeah. kind of like, it's a movie that sucks if you assume that it it's not in on the joke. Right. But I kind of feel like it is. I don't know. What are your your feelings on that? I so for me it might unintentionally be in on the joke. Like it okay. it works on a level and I will also relate this to a movie that is sort of similar to it but much more serious which is Sunshine. Danny Boyle's mm. 2006 The Sun is fucked up we need to go drop nukes on the sun movie. <laughs> like legitimately I've never seen it. I, I really, really like that movie. It's it's actually pretty fucking good. How <laughs> Except do you not like some... the idea of like dropping nukes in That's the sun? The That's once again the thing. Now that <laughs> movie does have a much more serious tone, but it actually okay. somehow kind of gets away with some of its bullshit. Not all of its bullshit, but some of its bullshit. <laughs> now this movie, I couldn't quite tell you if it's in on the joke or just the actors are. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not 100% sure if the director was in on the joke. (laughs) However, (laughs) the performances are so scenery chewing and so, like, these characters are so either incredibly likable or incredibly love to hate them that it's so fun to root for them. And we'll talk about characters. I think that's one of the main things. This movie would be utter dog shit if the characters were not really fun to watch in either the love them or love to hate them category. And I think Mm -hmm. you can make an argument for a few of them being kind of both for sure. Like Stanley Tucci's character for sure is like both. He's both like a piece of shit that you hate and love to hate. And also by like this wildly quirky, like sort of lovable piece of shit. So there's kind of both things going on there. I think yeah, and the script is actually... Mm -hmm. Despite the, like, utter horseshit science, another thing I definitely want to talk about <laughs> later, like, for sure, despite the, like, absolute, like, making a mockery of science of it, the script is actually pretty good. It moves fast. It's funny. Yeah. It's yes. very, like, easy, and it goes everywhere. So, like, somebody who mm-hmm. knows how to do screenwriting wrote this movie. They weren't a scientist, mm-hmm. but they knew how to do screenwriting. Somebody who knows how to direct a movie directed this movie. 
Like it, yeah. it is like a very watchable and entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Whether it's completely in on the joke, again, I could be swayed either way because it's kind of like it is like a little bit self-serious, but it's also very, very fucking goofy with really good actors. So it like yeah, it I, sells it whether it's intentional or not. It sells it. Yeah, for me. <laughs> exactly. I feel like you really nailed it. My whole thing is imagining these actors like these very serious <laughs> actors. Because, again, we have Aaron Eckhart as like the college science I'm not just a pretty face guy. Who lifts uh, a lot of weights. He lifts many who, weights. Who lifts, who lifts and does <laughs> yeah. not skip leg day. Or maybe does. I don't know. We haven't really seen his calves. So I will hold <laughs> off on that judgment. And right. by the way, I will say I am slightly obsessed with Aaron Eckhart. Just because I think he's amazing and super versatile. And really an underrated uh, uh, talent, I will yeah, say. But we I have agree. Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank. Like the aforementioned Stanley Tucci, which I didn't know was in the movie and was just like the <gasps> most pleasant surprise. Yeah, I yes. shrieked seeing that man. And I was like, Stanley, what are you doing here? Yeah. Stanley, yeah. you're 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 you do not belong to this party, but you know what? We'll accept you. Because you right now this party. He came here by accident. <laughs> he absolutely came to this party by accident. But he is fucking rocking it and he's making it work and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And Alfre Woodard and like Richard Jenkins. And you have all these people who are very like serious in this very ridiculous situation. <laughs> and I imagine them like picking up the script <laughs> and being like, oh, so I get to like assess the scene of a lot of pigeons um, dying in freaking Trafalgar Square and like this ship flying through Dodger Stadium <laughs> and like <laughs> the Coliseum uh, burning to the ground <laughs> which by the way is the second best Coliseum related scene after yeah. Van Damme uh, and Dennis Rodman fighting Mickey Rourke and the Bengal Tiger and Double Team Double Team? But, okay well that just shot up to the top of my list of what I need to yeah. watch uh, next during my you But know, they, they don't officially game. name it the Coliseum though they just like you just understand that it's the Coliseum yeah. I don't know if it's a legal thing <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know The unauthorized <laughs> Coliseum battle <laughs> Like Van Dev couldn't convince like Rome to let the Coliseum be featured <laughs> Listen I'm gonna kick Dennis Rodman in the teeth what's wrong? <laughs> There's a scene with animal cruelty because the tiger, I think, oh, dies. So maybe that was the whole hold up. Like, yeah, you can kill Mickey Rourke. He's a villain, but not the tiger. <laughs> They're, like, endangered. Uh, but, <laughs> but back to the court. I just imagine them reading the script and I kind of, like, I really... I couldn't find a lot uh, in terms of, like, them talking about the movie or, like... But just, like, I, I was really curious to kind of see they them, like, going it over their heads. Like, how am I going to tackle this role? Like, how am I going to sell this? And I don't know how they did it, but it worked. <laughs> like, honest to God. So we've got, like, some legit superstars here. But I don't know if I've ever, like, been more impressed with anyone than um, it's Delroy Lindo, who is Dr. Braz, who is, yeah. like... The designer yes. of the ship that has just been in the desert for 20 years making increasingly good lasers and a ship for no reason. I like, mean, good dig if you can get it. Nothing about this plot. <laughs> like, you need to accept like you can't watch this movie and think anything will make sense. Nothing will make sense. The fucking metal he makes, is he calls it unobtainium. Like, unobtainium. nothing makes fucking sense. You just got to roll with it. And he legitimately makes me care about this fucking ridiculous character like he's like (laughs) you know desert scientist man who loves his ship who names it virgil who has like an ongoing feud with the asshole scientist who's also like famous and compares himself to einstein in his lecture series and all sorts of other shit like i care about this man so much and this actor put so much of himself into this role that it like got me right there it legitimately (laughs) got me right there and that's the power of this movie. It's so unbelievably stupid, but it gets you right there. If you're if you're willing to open your heart to the stupidest shit in the universe, it will get you. It will <laughs> give you a great experience. Like it'll get you. If you give up <laughs> everything you know about basic science, physics, <laughs> geophysics, 
the earth, common sense. Pigeons. And that's what I love about the movie. <laughs> Pigeons. <laughs> and that's what I love about this movie. They were like, let's just spend this money on all of this and not buy an ounce of common sense. Yes. And I love it. But that's yes. exactly what it is about. Like, you need to, and we've talked about this with several movies. Yeah. Adjust your expectations. If you go into it expecting science, and I saw in one of the Google reviews, like, uh, if I want science, I watch a documentary. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I like you. Anonymous comment person. Because you really nailed it. Uh, but since we are talking about the characters, that's another, like, very... And you kind of need it, right? Because here's the whole thing. This movie ends up being about an expedition to go to the core of the earth and the core of the earth is rotating wrong and they get have to get it to rotate it right. <laughs> so for an expedition, <laughs> people in the ship, obviously you need them to be colorful characters. Yes. And, and they go all in on the little like stereotypes. Like, oh yeah. Nerdy college professor guy. And then like Hillary Swank is like brains and bronze astronaut girl because she's like the amazing. the best astronaut who like and- <laughs> established that she's the best astronaut because even though she was the youngest person in space, which by the way, I believe is actually 25, like legitimately, as at least as of when this movie was made. So if yeah. she's supposed to be under 25, wow. Okay. Good job movie, I guess. But like because she des- she learns a way to land the space shuttle Endeavor in the fucking L.A. River. That's how we know she's the best astronaut. And her commander... But she almost gets fired. She almost gets fired because... Well, I mean, that's not her fault at all. But, like, her commander, who's, like, Commander White Man. Like, the most, like, commander-ass <laughs> Whitey McWhiteman who's ever existed. He's not in the movie for that long, to be honest. Is, yeah. like, I, that was, listen, that rookie, was... you've, you've not had to make a bad decision yet. Therefore, you can't be a commander. And that's, like, her whole arc is that she has to make hard decisions. And like, you does. know, she's going to kill somebody. Like, you just know from the beginning you that the whole decision is going to... You like, oh, you're going to lose some crew. And, like, she does. And she's perfect. And then towards the end, it flies the ship through, like, sh- pants-shitting conditions for 16 hours straight. Like, not really commented upon uh, in the movie, but, like, apparently she does that. So it's like, all right, she's the best who's ever lived. That's it. Basically. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> and- and when you're Googling uh, things about the movie, one of the first questions that appears is like, is the core the worst movie ever made? Oh, and then, come on. Which, very harsh. Very come, harsh. Come on. Uh, but also, and then, and then one of them is like, what is the moral lesson of the core? And I think we just discovered it. It's, it's that, teamwork like, makes the dream work, baby. Also, the Hillary Swank rules. Yes, and Hillary Swank is the best who's ever lived. Listen, these are yeah. good lessons. We can go many, <laughs> many miles on these lessons, okay? Um, I love the little dialogue she has with Aaron Eckhart because she ties his uh, tie for him. And then he's like, is there anything you can't do? And she says, not that I'm aware of. And then he says, so I find that incredibly intimidating. And she says, yep, most people do. I think she's not actually cocky. That's what's so wild about it. Like, she is super confident, but she's never, like, like snarling about it. She's not like, I'm the best. She's more like, no. She's not like Stanley Tucci. I just do me, okay? I just do me. I happen to be the best in the universe, but I'm not, like, snide about it the way Stanley Tucci is snide about it. He's the snide one in this movie. And he pulls it off. Stanley Tucci, you magnificent bastard. You can do everything. (laughs) We'll always love you. Even in Hunger Games. It's like the shittiest person alive. And I'm like, you know what, Stanley? I forgive you for all of this. This is not your fault. You were dragged into a situation. And that's how I choose to see Stanley Tucci in every role forever. Unless he plays like some Nazi or some shit. In which case, I'm sorry. I don't know. I haven't seen that We have lines. We have lines. (laughs) That's a line that that I will not allow Stanley Tucci to cross. Other than that, uh, he can pull off slight anti-hero type guys uh really well and that there is an arc to his guy who ends up being an asshole but at the end redeems he's kind of like the polarizer character in aliens except he redeems himself and yes he does have a redeeming quality yeah yeah Yeah. polarizer just sucks from beginning to end um but you do have 
you know, all of the little check, 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 check moments with the characters, right? And like the weapon specialist, as we were saying, he's like quirky. And then, uh, you know, there are the two characters, Whitey McWhiterson and <laughs> what is the other yeah. guy? I forgot. The other guy who died. I don't know. Oh, you Sir- know that they're there Serge? to just die. Sergey? Serge, the French Serge? guy who has a family. So, of course, he's going to die. He's the guy with the family like, and the cute notebook. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Just as for Serge, by the way, that was a horrible death. And we saw every minute of it. It was just very disturbing. Honestly, I was not expecting that, one, that. That's the most unnecessary death in the whole movie. Because every other single one, there's at least some sort of narrative like, okay. And I do want to talk um, about Braz's death at some point because I think that is like a, a big thing in this movie. And, yeah. Like, a big problem with this movie for sure. Um, but like everybody else either makes a sacrifice or there's like a clear accident. He yeah. just fucking rummages around and he could have absolutely, he's a nimble dude. We see him running around <laughs> the whole time. He could have fit under the goddamn thing for the 30 seconds that Aaron Eckhart is like, come on, sir, come on come on, come on. And it's like, that door is closing like real slow. Like he could have made it. But again, that's the type of movie that this is. That's this kind of movie. You just kind of have to roll with it and understand nothing makes sense. Just nothing. And you know, most people at the expedition are going to die, right? Because the stakes are so high. So it's like, you all know that it's never going to be in vain because their mission is saving humankind. So it's kind of like- you know they're just gonna kill like most of them, more than half. Yeah. Um, and Whitey McWhite was... Man is the first one to go, which he's is like kind of a surprise. It's like kind <laughs> we'll of a give surprise. Him like that. he's like Mister Hyper Competent Military Man, NASA Commander, who's like, oh, the girl can't do it herself. Like I'm so tough and strong, Mister Blue Eyes with an almost crew cut. Like you think he's gonna live no matter what happens, right? No, he he gets like. Killed by a crystal? <laughs> a crystal falls, that falls in his head falls. before he drowns in like lava. In the magma inside. Which, when they're in their like cobalt cocoon segment, which is a lot. It's a very metal death. I'll give it, him it that. Is. It's like if you metal. must die, like I'd rather that than being crushed like Surge. Like that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. At least like he got crystals and fire. Like it's a whole thing. Like, yeah, at he's least probably like, dead he, real quick. You know, it was yes. a quick one, you know. Yeah. But that's that's another thing that 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 I wanted to touch on because you have all these personalities, and I love I will love I love a good disaster movie like The Staples, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in for it, but I will call them out because there wasn't a lot of representation there, yeah. even for the time. Because usually these movies like make sure to like throw in a Ruiz. Rodriguez, sure. like you know, just sure. <laughs> to, you know, yep. fill the quotas and stuff. And this one doesn't even bother. It's white, 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 white. One black man, and yep. obviously one black woman. Um, but who's the good army person? I guess because you need the good army person to balance out the bad army person. Yeah, she's and like she's the been... NASA flight director, I think. So she's the one who's oh, like wants the NASA crew to get home alive. Like she's she's yeah. in it for the crew kind of thing. And Richard Jenkins, who, by the way, I'll, this is my Richard, Richard Jenkins moment. Every time Richard Jenkins shows up in one of our movies, I just need to have a tiny Richard Jenkins moment. Because yes, he course. is like a delightful character actor. He's in the American version of uh, Let the Right One In. He mm. is in Cabin in the Woods. He's in a really lovely movie mm-hmm. called The Visitor, I think is the name of it, which is like a actually really good drama about immigration. And okay, he's like a great character actor. And he is famous in my household growing up because he actually lived in Rhode Island for a long time. And he used to go to my mom's favorite restaurant and she would sit like near him and be very excited that Richard Jenkins is in her favorite (laughs) restaurant. So there you go. Another mom moment. I think maybe that's also why she likes this movie so much. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's like, Richard Jenkins, I used to sit next to this guy. I used to sit near him. (laughs) Very cute. I love it. So we're like two degrees of separation from Richard Jenkins. And I like that for us. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a win. Jenkins Yeah, he plays right like the I'm gonna do what needs to be done guy, even if yeah. that maybe involves killing all the earth. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it won't ruin the planet. It might, but 
maybe I'll give it a shot anyway. <laughs> that's kind of his whole. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He's like a total asshole, but even he has like some motivation that you can understand of being like, okay, if yeah. it kills the crew, it kills the crew. But this is the one thing that has a real chance. Everybody's going to die anyway, so I'll make the hard choice. Like he's he's a, a shithead for sure, but he at least is like a shithead with a purpose as opposed to just being like an evil, like, you know, climber or something. He's not doing this for his own good, basically. Because so again, he the even stakes has, like, are the highest for everyone. Yeah, like literally the. If you mess this up, any person involved in this, the Earth dies. Yeah, so it's kind of like, we're all you dead. can't even. <laughs> you can't even have like financial motivations uh, or vanity motivate you here because it's like no, if if this mission fails, you'll be dead in a year. So it's like. I, I, I like that in a way because it kind of, it flattens the plot just enough that yeah. it it allows people to get away with anything. Yep. <laughs> but then at the same time, I feel like we're, we lack perspective because it's literally like the consequences of everyone's actions is just humanity being entirely destroyed. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's the the hacker guy who's also oh an amazing God. character rat who's played yes. by uh dj qualls as we've mentioned uh before uh in exchange for helping again save the entirety of the planet earth um his sole requirement is uh unlimited xena tapes and hot pockets um and he refers to his hacking as his kung fu yep and his kung fu is strong. So I love all of it, honestly. I feel like he's the unsung hero of the movie. Yeah, and as you as you uh, alluded to in the notes, he has like an EDM like lead in, like sound yes. cue every time he shows up on the screen. <laughs> and at the end too, right? Because the whole thing, obviously we've mentioned we're spoiling things, but the whole thing is that they discover that the core of the earth didn't just like, stop moving because it was like bored or whatever <laughs> obviously we fucked it up because that's what we do like the u.s was trying to develop weapons and fucked up the core of the earth that's an oopsie and um <laughs> and it falls upon uh the uh, rats the hacker to kind of like tell the world about what happened so that the people who died didn't die in vain or whatever and still when they're going to introduce his act of heroism they play edm music so I think yep. like it's all it's aspirational to be the person that when they want to announce your presence, they just play EDM. It really is. And like <laughs> he is also, again, with like with like a crappier performance, this wouldn't this wouldn't tug at my heartstrings the way that it actually legitimately does. Like he cries you, like for you real. Go, rat. He does like, a full <laughs> frustration cry when he's trying really hard to like slow down the the plan B you know, using destiny, which it's, it's an acronym. <laughs> with destiny with an I. Yes. Yeah, destiny is an acronym. It's just so fucking stupid. I love it so much. Um, It's like Bond villain kind of shit. Like, here's my destiny laser. It's so fucking dumb. I love it. I love it. Uh, But yeah, like, again, he does really good work. Like, really good work in this movie. I believe his hacker bullshit, his hacker kung fu. I really do. His hacker kung fu really is strong. And it's amazing. When he started crying, I was just kind of like, you never see the hacker in the movie do that. We've seen the hacker right. in the movie do several things. Right. But never cries so deeply and desperately. So Rat, as of now, is in my top three of hacker, standard hacker guy in yes. disaster movies. Yes. So, you know. He cares. He, he like cares. really cares. His first act. Like, Aaron Eckhart's character is, like, a cool guy who deals with college freshmen and plays trombones at rock. So, like, you already know he's, like, gonna get along with the young hacker. But, like, his yeah. first act is being like, hey, guys, let's go easy on him. And to show, to repay the kindness, Rat takes a gum wrapper and somehow <laughs> turns Aaron Eckhart's phone into a free phone. So, you know, he has a heart of, he's a hacker with a heart of <laughs> With a heart of gold. Just a heart of gold. <laughs> And hot pockets. Uh, you'll die gold. very young, Red. Uh, I love you. Reconsider the hot pockets. That's there's a lot of sodium in that yeah. shit. Um, all for your for your eating what you want. You know, 
treat yourself but just maybe consider adding some stuff to that diet and we yeah. say it because we love you right yeah. and we just we want, want you to live. see you thrive <laughs> uh, one thing that you did mention in your um notes that i found also really interesting because uh it's the use of the 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 science metaphors oh, oh, and the yes. props oh yeah oh, uh your nickname was the peach and <laughs> i had to mention it because no joke before you said anything about the peach i had written the same peach that was once doing some dirty shit for timothy chalamet is now saving the earth what a versatile fruit so the peach analogy is so amazing Aaron Eckhart, the cool professor who do who does cool things, uses a flaming peach to explain a room of people who can blow up the earth if they so desire. Why this is so urgent? <laughs> and, but I would, and and we get that a lot, right? Because they have to explain this very complicated science, which is not science because it's oh, yeah. n- none of it is real. It's all <laughs> bullshit. It's very very good. So I like. As most people probably know, I love Star Trek. Like, I love Mm. Star Trek. I've watched so much Star Trek. It's a little, it's a little much. And, like, a very common thing in Star Trek is to do the, like, oh, just, like, a rubber band with this. And, like, they get some of their ideas from actual physics. Like, some of the Mm -hmm. scripts in Star Trek are complete bullshit. But occasionally there are things that are, like, oh, okay, this is an actual theory or, like, an actual thing that exists in the world and they like consistently do the thing where it's like oh let's make like a cute little metaphor of like oh you know uh this is like a bond of this and this is like using it like a rubber band to do a slingshot effect and you know things like that this movie goes whole fucking hog on these stupid (laughs) science metaphors in a way that's like i feel like this is the movie in miniature right like fucking ridiculous like you put hairspray on a peach and flame broiled it in front of a of, of a bunch of like very upset looking generals. Like th- this is like the the overacting and the ridiculousness and the over dramatization, and like you you're, you're torching a peach. Like just this entire idea, and having all these these dumbass science metaphors. Like the core is an engine, but it's also a heart. Like what is it? Is it a heart or an engine? Because they'll do different things. They'll be like, oh, okay. So, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, when we do this, it's like ripples in a pond. Oh, it's just like restarting a heart. Yes, of course, you can stop a heart with an electrical pulse, but you can also restart one with it. And it's like they mix the metaphors so often to things that just have nothing to do with one another. And it is glorious and delightful. And it is like, this is this movie. It's fucking ridiculous. It's very colorful. It's very obvious. And it's a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm just glad. And then you, and, okay, first of all, I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid because I would have legitimately started believing all of the science in the movie <laughs> to be the actual science of the earth. Like, I went around like five years of my life believing that Da Vinci Code was like history. So oh God, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am glad <laughs> I am only being introduced to the core at this stage of my life. Yeah, but yeah. also, um, can you imagine it coming out today? You know, you think about it as like, oh, this is obviously bullshit. Like they're using these metaphors because it makes it sound appealing and easy to understand. And it makes a person, it makes whoever is listening feel smart right, that they can right. understand a very complicated concept. And then you look around in 2021 and you right. see why so many people would believe it. <laughs> like any Bravo would be watching this movie like, oh, this is all bullshit because the earth is flat, you know, or whatever. Like, it's Or the like- opposite. <laughs> Or like, yeah. oh, yes, a peach. Now it all makes sense. I would be like, like, yes, the peach is the earth. And that's why we can't have this. In the, like, absolutely. Absolutely. But so, to yeah. say anything convincingly enough and use the little metaphor and you you have enough people believing you to make it a thing. Yeah, it's true. It's Don't do that stuff. at home, kids. That's Don't. how our plan. <laughs> Don't do it at home. That's how we got ourselves into this situation we currently find ourselves in in 2021. So please yeah. do not go around convincing people uh, of untrue uh, basic concepts of science with elaborate metaphors. That's the one request we make to you, listener. Please use this power responsibly. <laughs> use your peaches responsibly, okay? Like, I'm just going to say that for everybody in every movie, use your peach responsibly. So, like Timothée. 
Yeah, to um, the thing. Like, that was a perfectly all right use of a peach. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Good job to all of you. <laughs> Oh, gosh. A uh, little gross to look at, maybe, but yes. harmless to yeah, each harmless, their own. Harmless use of a peach, you know? Uh. <laughs> no one was hurt by the peach. I wanted to bring up one thing, which, it, well, I guess I will say this. I think it's, we're getting to evaluation territory. We're not all the way there yet, but yeah. I want to say this is one of the best shitty movies ever made. Like, I really, <laughs> really am, like, in that boat. However... There's one kind of cardinal problem with it, and you touched on this, but it's kind of that just overall very whiteness of it, like white yeah. Hollywoodness of it. I just wanted yeah. to bring up one aspect of that that was also troubling to me. As the, we I was going to ask the Brazelton's death, right? Yes. I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about, like, this is just a little bit anecdotal, but, like, mm-hmm. all of those wonderful blowing up cities sequences kind of <laughs> only happen in, like, Western world. Like, Okay, we got Rome, we got Paris, we got London, we got we have Boston, the US, at yeah. the very beginning, San Francisco and Gate LA. Bridge. Like yeah. what what there are no iconic elements in other places. There's no the great Taj wall fucking in China. Mahal There's no doesn't pyramids. matter. There's no Taj Mahal. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. You're trying to say this is global and then it's like only like Western. Ah, uh, come on. There's like two seconds of some camels in presumably the Sahara. And that's it. And it's like, are you fucking kidding? Come on, movie. You blew your budget all all over everybody's face. And then you're not going to like at least. All right. Anyway, the real the real thing. And like when I tweeted that, oh, my God, I'm, I'm watching the core. This was something I definitely I remember Braz's death very, very, very vividly. Um, so somebody kind of tweeted at me like a lot of people are like, oh, my God, the core. And one person uh, is a friend of mine who was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a little fuck. It's a little fucked up that like the black scientist is the one who sacrifices himself it for like no good reason. Like yeah, <laughs> like just sacrifices himself. And watching it again, I I will say I, I guess this one point in the movie's favor is that it is kind of his choice because it's his ship, and they sort of at least attempt to make an argument for like this guy down, is like, yeah. making a, a knowing sacrifice. He's not just yeah. being thrown to the fucking wolves or something. He's like, mm-hmm. no, this is my ship. I go down with my ship. I make my ship survive. So it's like, okay, there's at least some attention paid to that. If you know what I mean? Like that strikes me as being okay. That's something. However, it does still really suck that this like brilliant person. Who's one of the coolest characters. I love him. Like yeah. watching it again. I was so touched by like, all of his stuff, like his his kind of quirks, his like naming something unobtainium, his like just general like really kind of awesome demeanor and the, the way he's like such a calming presence, except for when he's punching Stanley Tucci and that was awesome too. You know, that kind of stuff. I was like <sighs> confused about how to feel because I was really sad yeah. about him going. I was really angry about like, okay, so the fucking white people were going to live? Great. Good job, fucking Hollywood. But, and also, like, complicated by that fact of, like, okay, they actually intentionally wrote this to be very much his actual choice. That he wants yeah. to make the sacrifice. That he actually, like, bends the straw when they when they pull straws. Which is, like, a little stupid, but it's also, like, okay, that's the kind of movie we're in. So I want to know how yeah, you exactly. felt about this. Because I have these complex feelings about this scene, kind of watching it again. I'm kind of with you. I mean, uh, I like that he's the brain's. They don't put him in just a bronze type of role, like a a muscles type of role. Like he's the quirky scientist genius guy, which um, is a typically white dude role in movies. Uh, And like you said, I do appreciate that the scene wasn't like a cheap sacrifice. Like, oh, a bunch of people have to die because we need this movie to have like gravity. So (laughs) we need you to feel the urgency of the situation. So we're just going to kill everybody on the ship. Like, so, so it didn't feel that way, but at the same time, and we kind of, it's kind of what you said, like it was a very sort of unnecessary death at the end. It was two white people standing yeah. Uh, and it's a very, like, dude thing, too. Like, in terms of... Diver- At the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what? It was 2003. If if higher-ups were to send an excursion to save the planet, they would just send dudes. Because that's how this these people think 
today, but especially then, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm kind of like conflicted in all of it. Like yeah. I do feel like it, it's very, like you said, white Hollywood that they could have um, added more diversity and that Braz's character, they could have been a little kinder on him. Then yeah. again, Serge's death was actually worse, so. And and Commander McWhiteman. Yeah. Commander McWhiteman. Yeah, well. <laughs> He's the most throwaway. Like, I feel Serge like- was literally crushed to death and everybody yeah. was watching it on the camera. <laughs> like, yeah, was- it was, it had so much time. It's honestly like the goddamn Austin Power. Sorry that I can't not think this, but it's like the Austin Powers, like, crush death where there's like, 20 minutes for the guy to run away <laughs> he just slowly like rolls over that's a hundred percent what that was so it's very like Serge I know you can make it buddy I know you can't you're so nimble you work out too everybody <laughs> in this movie fucking works out everybody does they even kind of make a point of it when Hillary Swank is like Aaron Eckhart you must be from the NSA because you've got muscles that's like basically what she's saying in that scene like Anyway, yeah, it's yeah. I and the did Brad's also and I don't like, think I'm qualified, obviously, to like put a exactly. stamp on it by any means whatsoever. That's not my intention here at all. It's and it's complex. we go with the times, right? We we put things into perspective, but I think it's very hard. And we've had this conversation with a lot of the movies that we've yeah. talked about, right? Like it's uh, on the one hand. It's kind of unfair to watch things with the lens that we have now because the world was a little different 20 years ago. And at the same time, sometimes I think we cut people too much slack. Yeah. Because it was also not that different in many right. ways. Like, I was so, in college. I know I'm ancient, but I was like, I was in college. I was like a human person. You're a full person, exactly. I was a whole like ass person when this came out. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> basically, uh, Iverson's death, yeah, it was fucked up, but like, okay, but like, Braz deserved better, and so did yeah. Serge. Uh, yeah. Justice for both of them. Uh, yep. Bas- at least uh, our beloved DJ Qualls, aka Rat, made sure that the world knows yeah. that they were heroes. Yeah. And yes, that's that's. And before we move on from this this deep dive, the digging <laughs> deep segment, the one last thing I wanted to talk about was, and I wanted your opinion on it. Yeah. How how are we feeling about the special effects? Oh in this my movie? god! <laughs> <laughs> well, honest to God, some of them are way better than others. Like, right? Some of them are like real bad. Like, no, obviously. Again, we're eighteen years later. I understand. Like things, do, CG just tends to not age well if it's not in a pretty particular context, like in yeah. all CG thing, like, yeah, obviously Toy Story still looks good. Okay, whatever. But like in this context of like CG being used with live action, it just tends to not look great. So we we give it, I, I give it at least that little grain of salt of like some of it might look like shit. You watch like the Matrix or something like that right now, it still looks pretty good. So there's a grain of salt, but there's also like, yeah, that might be the gold standard for this kind of era. Some yeah, of it it's looks like- pretty cool. I actually I like, like the, the more pigeon. psychedelic elements, like the weird crystals and shit. Like, yeah. yeah, like some of that is, that's just fun to look at, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I enjoy the crystals. I enjoy the crystals with the magma. Like, these are fun compositions. Somebody had a fucking field day with this. I <laughs> imagine. Because, <laughs> uh, like, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, scientists, but I don't think we have ever been to the center of the earth. Uh, and therefore, a lot of it is just like calculations, obviously. But a lot of it, I think, and I was actually reading up on it yesterday because I was like, I wonder if like people have done this and I'm just like really stupid about science. So like oh, I'm no. going to research this so I don't sound too stupid. And I was like, I'm kidding. I know we hadn't like really made it past the crust. Um, but they're like ideas i was reading a scientist talking about oh like how the upper layer of the mantle is probably beautiful because it's probably olive green and with these like crystals so i was like a lot of it is based on science i'm guessing a lot of it had to be imagination and sure and i i agree with you like some some of the effects are really good and some seem very like 80s almost yeah real in a cool way yeah like 
I like that this is just very weird and like playful because I would imagine the person doing it is kind of like, you know what? I don't even, let's just run with this. There's like, no who reference. Cares? Yeah, there's no reference material. They were probably referencing more than anything, like Journey to the Center of the Earth, like fantasy yeah. sci-fi, like yeah. way, 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 way prior. And there's like, the, the unfortunate thing, I, I also ran into this, that there's not all that much about the production and I wanted to, I wanted to dig deep. Yeah. I really wanted to know everything about how this fucking thing got made. Like I really do. <laughs> and there's not much about it, but there's something from one of the screenwriters saying that like, you know, kind of complaining about how anti-science it is and how much people complain about it. I and mean, they said something like, I had to get rid of the dinosaurs and this and this. So that was like, clearly like earlier drafts or earlier conceptions of this were much more fantasy than okay. even this. So it kind of, Again, this is just coming from like a partial quote. This is not like, you know, the word on this movie. But that's my sense is that they actually were trying to move away from more fantasy. And that's how they landed where they landed. So, yeah. I like the pigeons. I'll defend the pigeons. The pigeons look all right. The pigeons look all right. I'm okay. And I read on IMDb that there is actually one of the pigeons actually a trout. Because (laughs) the CGI team like just threw in a trout. Just for like shits and giggles. I love this. I, I have this got- tells you about this movie. That tells you about this movie, right? Like- <laughs> I just saw like I haven't gone back to see it, like haven't fact-checked it, but right. um like the science in this movie. <laughs> You're right. We're just running with it. You We're just have to be in the best. mindset. <laughs> uh so I guess that wraps up our our digging deep, our yeah. analysis part of it. I think we've we've discussed enough to sort of make up our minds and move on to the final segment of the show. Uh, we now go into shelf life, the final segment of our show in which we deliberate and we decide where we're going to place the cinematic masterpiece in our lovely, delightful neighborhood video store. <laughs> um, so far, we've had one lower, <laughs> lower shelf uh, staff picks pick that yep. was Lionheart, yep. right? If I'm not mistaken, and then with strip tees, we have one middle, one top shelf of the middle aisle pick. Yeah. So it's a spectrum. Uh, we can we can it's our neighborhood store. We can do whatever the fuck we want with it. So right. we can place it wherever we want. <laughs> um, how are you at first though? How are how, what's your starting point here, Danielle? What are you feeling this one belongs? All right. My gut feeling. I'm just gonna yeah. be completely honest. I think we put it on the staff picks. However, oh. this one needs a disclaimer. <laughs> this one needs like like the experience of watching this movie not caring about science is wonderful and deserves a staff picks. However, if you're incapable of doing that, and some people are, if yeah, you can't suspend are. disbelief, this is it, it like the bottom of the middle shelf. Like there's a like, there's a truly wide rift here between the experiences. Like if you want to <laughs> watch something incredibly stupid and you can accept that it's stupid, then then it's like wholehearted pick but if you can't and i understand it and i like respect that then you probably should look elsewhere for your thrills <laughs> <laughs> like if you're one of those people who spend the entire movie going like that could never happen um yeah maybe that's not the pick for you or most movies i would dare say <laughs> yeah to be honest almost any movie ever made frankly <laughs> You need some ability to suspend this belief, but I do agree yeah. that in this particular Wanda, the ability needs to be a little stronger because it does involve um, forgetting everything you know about the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, re- it really truly requires that. I think that is like a legit requirement for enjoyment. <laughs> so I think we would need to put this, um, like you said, with a disclaimer. And yeah. then yeah. since we're there, we're working the counter, we're chatty, our appeal. The whole store's appeal is that we're there. We're having, you know, face-to-face time with our lovely yeah. customers. We can also have that sort of adjust your expectations conversation. Yes. Like, hey, I see that you picked, 
you know, the core, great <laughs> pick. We love it. We put it there. But hey, just go into it. Empty your mind. Yes. Make it an empty vessel <laughs> to receive <laughs> this. To Otherwise. Receive. <laughs> Otherwise. Okay. Yeah. To receive uh, the gift of magma. You must be an empty <laughs> vessel. You must be an empty vessel for this. <laughs> Before our final judgment, I did want to say, um, share a Google review. I know I did this last week. Oh, please. Yes, please do. But I just love them. They're like my kink. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'll just really go in and read them. Um, this one, this anonymous commenter just said, this movie is really good. Parenthesis. This is coming from a Rick and Morty fan. Nothing personal with two N's and an L. Personnel. Kid. And yes, by the way, I do have a Rick and Morty tattoo. <laughs> and no, you cannot see it. It's for the ladies' eyes only. And even then, they have to demonstrate that they're within five IQ points of my own, oh my preferably God. lower, beforehand. Nothing personal, kid. Oh my God. <laughs> I think we... I think that tells us a lot. I think I it tells that. us a lot. I also think the Roger Ebert review tells us a lot. Do you want to read the that Roger, one as well? That the one, Roger Ebert review is a little more sober and a little more relevant. Sure. sure. Um, not as much fun, I would say. Right. It's true. <laughs> it doesn't go on quite the same journey. <laughs> uh, sure. The uh, he, he gave it two and a half stars out of four, and said, I have such an unreasonable affection for this movie, indeed, that it is only by slapping myself alongside the head and drinking black coffee that I can restrain myself from recommending it. (laughs) Which, again, correct feeling. And that's kind of... Except that I will not restrain myself from recommending it. Exactly. I'm there, but I will take it one step further because I have the benefit of hindsight, which Ebert didn't have when he reviewed the movie... Way back when, way back when in 2003. <laughs> uh, but I will agree with you, Danielle. Let's put it in the staff picks with a disclaimer. And if the person rents it and doesn't like it, even after we've had all these conversations, then it's on them. Yeah. Then yeah, it's I think them. we were honest. We did our jobs, honestly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Perfect. So now we actually uh, already have two movies out of three in the staff picks, which... Might mean we need to reassess. Our- <laughs> Listen, they might get kicked <laughs> off. They might get kicked they off. They might get staff kicked picks. off. Her. It's possible. And we do these things with love. We're just honest. We speak from the heart. We yeah. speak from our cores, our emotional cores. You know, we're very uh, real here. Uh, uh. <laughs> and I will take, <laughs> I will take a janky movie that makes me smile over a. "Quote unquote, good movie that bores me. Speech, my ass. Exactly. So, okay. I guess with that, that is all we have for this week. Want to thank you, my co-host, for joining me. Uh, Where can people find you online, Danielle? I am at Danielle Ri. Or you just see all the cool stuff we do at Fanbyte Media. Yes, thank you at home for listening and for checking out all the other cool stuff too. Thank you to our amazing producer, Paul, two book deals actually, Tamayo, for <laughs> all the help in making this show not suck. <laughs> we hope you come back to your friendly neighborhood video store next week when we will be discussing Wild Wild West. It could not It could not go unnoticed in Thanksgiving month and it will also be our 100th episode which is amazing beautiful day for us I'm so happy we should get some some cake some champagne to celebrate watching 1999's uh, Wild Wild West until then we'd love for you to join our movie club Come by fanbyte.casa and join the You Love to See channel for news, updates, discussions, and special events. We want to hear from you. We have been having a lot of very fun conversations there, so come on by. Uh, as Neil said, we can check us out in a bunch of places. Fanbyte.com slash podcast for all of our podcasts. Twitter at Fanbyte Media, Instagram at Fanbyte, TikTok on at Fanbyte, and of course on fanbyte.com. And you can also watch our streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. 
that is it for this week. See you all next week. Until then, we love to see you.